Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by EPM. EPM is passionate about helping their clients succeed. From the very beginning, they set out to be different from other companies. Their diverse team of experts working in a collaborative entrepreneurial culture bring fresh thinking and creative solutions every day. They live and breathe their brand's mission and vision. EPM is all about empowerment and through it all, they will continue to offer top financial service, communication and assistance to the communities they serve. Get connected today by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersarebetter.com. All right, welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. I'm your host, JP Hussey of the Hussey Team Mortgage Advisors. And today got my buddy coming from Minnesota, right? Yes. Atrion Fayola. Fayola? Fayola. Atrion Fayola. You got it. You're no, close, man. I think I was pretty yeah. close with that. Trust me, people get my last name wrong all the time. You can you can probably guess what I get. So so it's all good. Uh, but Northport funding broker owner, what's going on, man? Hey man, we're good. It's uh it's been a good three year run since we started August 2019. Oh, cool, cool. So August 2019, we started ours end of 2018 and really didn't close the loan till February 19. So we're in the same same type of category. And I was looking you up a bit. I know we were talking a little bit before this. And I told you to shut up because we got to talk about it on here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've been in the business about seven years longer than me. You said it was 18 years, right? Yep. Cool. And I think you started and we're going to get in this minute, but you started back like with the bigger banks as well. Right. Am I right in saying that? Uh, no, I actually started as no. a broker. Okay. You started as broker. All right. Well, let's just get into it then. I just want to yeah. hear from the beginning, why you got into it all up until now. All right. Just in a, in a cliff notes. So I grew up in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, neighbor down the street. We used to watch his kids and he ended up uh, starting a mortgage brokerage in 2003. He asked me because I wasn't really doing much about to graduate high school. I was just chilling. Do you want to come work for me? I said, sure. I'd have known nothing about mortgages, but let's go. Mm -hmm. I showed up my first day. I'm in a small office, about six by six with four people. I have a phone in front of me and a phone book. And he says, you're going to call everybody in this phone book and you're going to ask them if they're interested in refinancing or purchasing a home. Mm. From that point on, I, uh, I love that business. I get it being, um, it was really tough and challenging in the beginning. You obviously don't make much money on the telemarketing side, right. but uh, you know, I've been through so many cycles in the industry. Like, I was around when they invented the trigger lead and you could call a thousand leads and you'd get a thousand customers to the point now where a trigger leads worth basically nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward recession came. I went to go work at bank of America. I built a lot of um, intake sheets on Google. So I did uh, some niche stuff. You know, I think niche lending is really important for folks, especially mm -hmm. if you want to have a long career. So I, I niched out in physician lending. And so, mm -hmm. I focused on doctor lending and doctor programs and called myself a relocation specialist um, and then kind of mimicked the Google SEO world. And I crushed it for a very long time. Nice, nice, nice. So, so 
Bank of America, right? That's where you're at during that, right? When you kind of went in the physician. Yep, 08, left Wells Fargo Private Mortgage Banking, learned everything I know about underwriting. So kind of the last of the Mohicans in their uh, loan officer training program that put us through underwriting. So we learned everything from credit policy to the driest 70 stack tax returns in a conference room with a guy who speaks two miles an hour going through every single page to teach you how to do income, right? So we did that. And then um, I left there, started a branch for a company out of um, Providence, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And we had a really good run for about three years. And then they decided to exit the middle markets and focus back in the East Coast as that portfolio lending kind of started to squeeze their balance sheet. They uh, allotted me a very grateful opportunity. They paid me out for a year's worth of uh, time. And I got some time off in 2019. And um, cool. partner, we started Northport. So Nice. No, it's awesome. So that's what I was reading. So I started my career at Wells Fargo. So that's what I read, right? And I think yeah. I was reading one of your posts, right? And it was talking about, um, obviously, there's a lot going on in our industry where you know, we're against banks and retail and all this stuff. And I think I was reading a post like, hey, not being anyone up, like they helped me out, get to where I am now. Right. And that's what I say a lot as well. Like Wells Fargo was a great uh, a spot for me when I started. Right. Because I got some leads. I, you know, I did a ton of FHA streamlines. You know, I had all these clients. I, yeah. I did a lot of this writing my own letters and stuff and kind of just putting in the work. But that was a great uh, stepping stone for me. Right. Um, to where I am now. So that's why I don't beat up too many people. And I think that was the gist of your post I read from. I, I don't know what it was, but I've read that about you. So that's where that came from. So that's cool. I mean, so, no qualms, man. I, you think yeah, about it like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm out on retail as it relates to now in my life. And I, I didn't actually think I was ever going to be a mortgage broker again after the right? early deal. Like, you know, I, at that time, LOs didn't even know what an approved eligible was. Like they were looking for manual underwrites back then because that's how they got a deal done. And now yeah, we're in yeah. this new world. So, yeah, that's cool. So you started in 2004 ish then, right? If my math is right. So 2004 is mortgage brokerage. You went through the 2008, 2009. You went through all that, right? Correct. So if I kind of jump off into a different topic, there's a lot of people right now that are like, oh no, we're coming for another crash, whatever it is, right? Like, how does this one feel so much different from 2008? Because that was that was bad. This one doesn't feel as bad. It doesn't mean anything's going to happen. You know, right. we were talking a little bit how we like the downturns a bit, our world. So how does this one feel different? How is it positive right now? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I look at the past as kind of like a, def a definition of the future, right? Mm -hmm. And recency is like something that we all get in our minds. So the thing that goes in the recency thing is like, oh, 08 was the first worst housing crisis ever in history. Well, let's just remember the one thing there. It was the first worst, first yeah. worst as in first housing recession. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm looking forward, though, and if I'm to gauge my knowledge, I actually think a lot about 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. And I think of that time where we hit an all time low in interest rates again, 3.375 on a 30 year fixed. Last year, we're coming off the lows again, which was about two and three eighths on a 30 year that last week in August. And here we are about a year from there. Um, and I'm looking forward. We don't have any housing. Right. Mm -hmm. So the numbers are staggering. Oh, um, wait, there was about four and a half million. Right now we got about one point three million homes for sale. Mm. Um, when I look at that stat, though, and then I look at the LOs out there, if you were an LO that started in the refi boom, I feel bad because you didn't learn the right cadence of the job. Right. I mean, the cadence is you got to call people, you got to follow up with people, and you got to be a voice of, of knowledge. Um, 
if you're just slapping stuff in and then hoping it goes like you're going to be in trouble. That's just mm-hmm. the way it works. Mm-hmm. But as it relates to now and moving forward, like this is a blessing. I think this is a great opportunity for anybody that's a broker right now, just given the fact that we move faster, you have price flexibility, you have the ability to go and hunt different investors to fit your product type or customer base. And frankly, you just can move more fluid and speed than anybody else around you in the retail space. Yeah, it's a, that's a really good point. Very, very well said. Because um, again, to go back to there is some, you know, division on retail broker, right? And then, but right now, when I look at it, I'm like, but like we have so many more tools than them. Because I've been on the retail, I've been on the the correspondent type channels. I see how it all works. And I still have a lot of friends there, right? We don't beat them up, but I'm like, you can't really fight what we're doing right now. We are fluid, like you said, we're smooth, we're quick. And, you know, we do have better pricing for the most part. You know, it's not, sometimes it is gigantic. I've seen ones where it's been a point, right? right. Because we know how that retail type stuff works, right? And they're hanging on, right? So margins, we can talk about that. But like for the first time in my career, like I can really say that this is the best spot to be if you're a true, you know, purchase focus, obviously in refi to originator, like this is the best spot. If you take ownership for your job, I really believe in it now that we are the best spot because of this little downturn. So it made me see things a bit more clear as well. I think I'm just saying the same thing you said in different words, you know? I I mean, I I agree with you 100%. I think the one thing that's most important that a lot of us forget is that you have to stay motivated. This is one of those markets where you can come to work every day and you're not getting 10. Hey, man, I want to refi. The rates are 2875 emails a day. Yep. You know, your downtime now is thank you cards, follow-ups, putting together perspectives to your perspective, referral uh-huh. partners, like what is the market doing? How do your customers benefit? You, you uh-huh. can't let off the gas now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So nice. We're flowing nicely now. I got some good stuff to talk about. So you had about a year off, right? In 2018 yeah. then? I 19, guess, yeah. 19. February okay. through uh, August. I was All right, not cool. working. Yeah, and that's cool. That, like you said, that's probably a blessing. It kind of gave you some time to figure out what you what you want to do. And being in this business 18 years, it was nice to probably have a little bit of a break, right? Yeah. Um, so what made you decide, hey, I think, you know, being on the broker side's the place to be? Like, why did you make that decision at the time? That's actually a good question. So yeah. my business partner and I, yeah, I brought him over to the bank I was at and then he got like, we all got let go essentially or downsized about three months after he had started. And he uh, he went on a Gary V kick. We went to that uh, uh, agent 2020 with Gary V back in Miami back in the day. Cool. And um, anyways, he stayed on Gary V and then he got down this tangent of finding Anthony Casa who has this like, unforgettable picture of him pointing at a PowerPoint screen that says, fuck retail. And um, I saw that and I was like, holy shit, I like this guy. This is good. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got hooked up to going to this Fuse event in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Saw Matt Ishbia speak. And between Matt Ishbia and Anthony Costa, I was like, I'm going to be a broker again. It's time. Nice. Okay. I mean, you see two compelling guys telling great stories and coming from retail, which I'm sure you remember. Uh-huh. I've never seen more people give a shit about a loan closing than those two guys or people willing to fight to ha- make sure that every broker in this community uh-huh. has the ability to close loans well uh-huh. and hold the lenders accountable for stealing your business or yeah. 
hold them accountable for holding up turn times or communication. I mean, that's something you would get at a big box retailer from your manager. And now you can be an independent and get the same resources, but you own it. Like that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. So that, so that aim fuse, when was that? Was that 19 then? 2019. Yep. That was 29. Was that the one with Gary V? That was the one with Gary V, I believe. I've never met anybody more authentic. I've bumped into him a hundred times. Like he is yeah. what he shows. So yeah, for what for how big he is, it doesn't he's he's just who he is. That's that's tough to do, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, so that, that's cool. All right, we can talk about that yeah. all day. Anyways, so yeah. So you pick this side, uh, like you said, your partner saw Casa, right? I think that was like one of the first things, went to Amfuse. Uh, and just to bring up, like Casa's great friend of mine, right? I was just over at his shop because he's in Philly near me, um, and we're talking. And man, he takes a lot of shit, man. But he's such a he's such a good dude, man. Like when you get to know him, he just is. And right now, like he's loving life because to go back to talk about this really is the best spot for Lo. Yeah, and he's just out there like fuck this. Let's go get them all, you know, in the way that he markets, you know. And it's, it's just, it's great, man. I told him that last week. I'm like, man, you take a lot of shit, but you don't care. And I just know you as a person. I know it's all well and good. So I mean, whatever, I just had to give Casa the shout out, you know? He crushed it. I mean, he he was the inspiration, 100%. Cool, man. All right, so let's talk about uh, Northport real quick, how you're set up to give everyone a perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So you're a broker owner, right? I, I think you said you have a partner as well in it. Um, how is it, like, how many LOs do you have? Like, how many employees? How's it set up right now? There's 10 of us here. We've cool. got four, four LOs here, one processor, and then three support staff. Cool. Um, right, cool. Honestly, we've we've kept it pretty simple for the most part, right? So our processor's job is to deal with conditions and then not collect from customers. So our LOs collect their conditions from their borrowers. Cool. Um, our processor's literally just the mitigator between lender and LO so we don't send in a bunch of docs. I mean, nice. we've all been guilty of that. Customer sends us an email, 10 attachments, we just forward to the lender and all of a sudden we've got a shit ton of conditions. Uh -huh. So I know that from the banking world, you just eliminate that possibility. And so we had that little process. Um, we do, I mean, as a broker shop, I, you know, I felt it important. We set up uh, 401k health insurance, stuff like that right off the bat. Um, and truthfully, like it, we run pretty seamlessly. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are you producing? I do. Right yep. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. So I produce as well, right? Um, and that's I want to go back to something that you just because it's so matter of fact to, to guys like this that always kind of took control of the file. You just jumped over, like, hey, our LOs get the docs and kind of use the pro I believe in that as well. Like, I'm a producing broker owner. Like, I submit the files, I disclose, right? Our right. processor who's great, Ellie. And she's she's killing it, but I still believe that LO has to be in touch with the file. And I'm on every email. Ellie does her thing, but I still jump in. Like I I truly believe in that that you have to be a part of it, especially if you're in that that sweet spot of like a smaller type shop like we are, right? Yeah. Not huge, right? Um, I I I don't think a lot of people do that sometimes as the LO, or we don't talk about it. I think it's really important to do. I think it keeps you in touch and it makes sure it goes smooth. And if you can make your process efficient, I think that was another thing I was reading about you, like extremely efficient, right? And having processes, like you can do that. You can be an owner of a shop, you can still produce and you can still get conditions. And it's almost boring right now. I'm trying to figure out a new way to do things because it's been so easy. 
and I'm doing yeah. all that, you know? So I just wanted to glaze over that a bit because I think, I think that's important for everyone out there. That's still, that's scraping right now, trying to get more deals, like stay a part of the process, like be engaged. Your clients are going to refer you more when you're engaged. It doesn't seem, you know, that complex to me, but that's just me, you know? Uh, yeah, listen, I think we all forget that people want to hear from the person that they were introduced to or referred to, right? Yeah. Like, um, and I've, I've heard this process set up a million different ways. I've heard of LOs that do intake, right? 30 to 45 minutes with the customer, learn something about your client, like take the time to learn about them. Uh-huh. And then they hand off. I've learned, I know other, you know, LOs that take a very streamlined process. They don't really learn anything about them until after they've done the work, so to speak, like apply or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you hear of the, some of the LOs that just literally do three units a month and they don't talk to their customers. Well, you're going to you're going to continue to do three units a month in that process. Mm-hmm. So um, I think everything you said spot on 100 percent. I uh, I know that if I get in my phone book and I start calling five to 10 people a day, I'm going to have a very busy week. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk about some strategies right now then. Right. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's not the, the refi boom where you're just walking in the office and you have like 10 refis to put on. Right. Now you got to get back to uh, you had said like that cadence. You can't be lazy. You got to get back in that rhythm, right, of doing the things. So what are you doing right now then, just so you're active and you aren't just laying on the couch and be like, oh, I did enough doing the refi boom. You know, like what are you doing? Uh, that's a really good question. So I, you know, I think about these things quite a bit. Um, one of the things actually that we were supposed to talk about today is like, how do you not sound like a salesman? Yeah, right? yeah, love it. And. Um, I think the greatest answer to that is ask powerful questions and shut up and listen. Mm. And so like a powerful question for someone is, I don't know if you've all done this. Like I, I actually was just on a sales call this morning. The client's like, well, you know, they quoted me this rate and then this rate, but that really wasn't the root issue for the customer. The root issue for the customer was is she's a physician and she wanted to put down less money. Didn't really care about the rate and wanted, didn't want to pay points. And so, and then you listen to them, right? They're like, well, we're moving here from a different state. And we're just trying to buy this house and I don't start for a while. I know that I'm giving the explanation of this client, but the last LO that I talked to her was a retail guy and didn't learn anything about her. He just said, here's your rates, apply online, good luck. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to what you just said and what I've said, ask powerful questions, listen to your customer, learn something about them, share that information with everybody on your team that touches that file so they have an opportunity to create an association with them throughout the process. And I'm telling you, you're going to get a referral. Yeah. Uh, I mean, very well said. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I don't understand as well. An LO, like you said, just be like, Hey, fill out this link. And uh, here's what I think your rate's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you're shooting yourself in the foot right off the bat. Right. So like you sp- said, spending the extra, whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, listening to a client because they're, buying a house like this is huge for them this isn't just a deal for you this is about them like they're moving relocating you know the whole thing and listening you you're i always say more often not worth therapists more than a mortgage person right because we're just hearing everyone's shit and then we have to try and be nice about it right and care for them which you should be you should want to makes me feel good when i am and then just get their goals and then one thing we do and not to just talk about me, I'm just getting excited about what you're doing, but like, we'll just regurgitate what they told us back to them in an email. And we do a video and we just talk about, Hey, here's some options based on what you told me. We didn't tell them like anything new. It's just like, we listened to you. Here's a plan for what you're trying to do. And let's go from there. 
And then we don't have issues with rate. You know, we don't talk about it anymore. It's just about budget and what they're trying to do. So that's awesome, man. So, I mean, you hear, heard it here from, from Atrian. Like, listen, just ask a couple of questions and then shut up. And that does a lot for your business. Well, I, you know, I'll just add extremely one more thing. Like, if a customer called you for a referral, that is your one and only chance mm -hmm. to make a better connection than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And if you do the right thing in that call, you offer up value education, you listen, you show them information. They don't give a shit what your rate is. Mm -hmm. They care about who they're working with and what the service they're going to receive. Mm -hmm. Within reason. You're not going to be able to get them a half to hire someone else. But like you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. 100%. No, that's perfect. So uh, here's another th another question. This is one of the questions I had on here as well. Um, so the past couple of years with the refi boom, right, it was easy to figure out, hey, let's just call every client, see if they want to refi, right? Mm -hmm. But now there's so much gold in your past clients just to say, hi, what, what's going on in their world, get referrals, right? So it, it looks like you have a system of how you do speak to your past clients in a mm -hmm. different way now, because you're not trying to refi them. You know, no. maybe cash out if, if, it's, if they need it, but what are you doing right there to stay in front? You know, that's a good question. So you think about the refi boom and a lot of customers we had, I think you just in general, last 24 months, most of these folks gained about 18 to 22% home equity. Mm -hmm. Some of these folks refinanced and had debt. They just didn't want to pay it off because they wanted a low rate. Yep. And some of these folks bought a house and put down too much money and need more cash because they're going to do a renovation or they just put down too much cash in general. So a couple of things with that. Number one is, you know, your home equity is the only thing that doesn't pay a dividend. So I use that as an education speech, right? Mm -hmm. You got you got a 60% LTV mortgage on a 15 year fix. Good for you. But the truth is, is that 40% is just sitting there and you're maybe going to get one to 2% next year. And you could put mm -hmm. that in the market and make more. I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor, but right. that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. So second thing is um, when you call your customers or your past customers, it's not a sales call. It's a, literally a follow up. And how are you? And is there anything I can do for you to help you right now? And that's it. And let them talk. And if there's nothing, there's nothing. And you just leave them with a thank you and you give them your cell phone number. Or even better yet, you get theirs and you shoot them a text and say thanks for the call. Yeah. But that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it humanizes you, too, probably. Right. Because they might start talking about something else that has nothing to do with mortgages. And then you might have a buddy that owns a business of what they need. You got it. You can refer, right? And you now you're more than just a mortgage person, right? You're their go-to for everything, you know, that which is really cool. And then when you do that, it even makes the business for yourself even more self-satisfying because you're just helping people no matter what it is. And if you happen to get a mortgage, all well and good, right? And you will probably, you know? I, you know, I'll That's tell cool. you something. There's a measurement between be, being known as a salesman and being known as an educator. Uh-huh. A salesman gets questions or doesn't really get questions and people know he's a sales guy. So when you go to a party or do something, most people will avoid talking about what you do. Mm -hmm. If you're an educator and you're not a salesman, every single person you know or get introduced to is going to ask you a very simple question. What do you see in the real estate market happening over the next three years? Mm -hmm. And like that is your opening to just say, I don't really see much changing. I think homes are going to be stable. And honestly, like it's a great time to take advantage of buying homes and you have any questions i'd be happy to show the map book some time with me i'd love to connect that's it that's it and you just leave it yep <laughs> you don't yep. need to talk about rates you don't need to talk about how good you are you don't need to say anything just yeah let's let's chat sometime 
Yeah, it's I think what what you're trying to get out there to everyone that that is going to be listening to this is, hey, just just do it. You don't overcomplicate it. Right. Like just get out there because I know there's a lot of people that aren't working their database. Right. They're just not. Right. And this is an easy way to do it. You're setting it up pretty simple. Like just call them. Just say hi. Is there anything I can do? And then shut up. Right. It's really just a golden rule in life sometimes, like say it and then just sit back and listen, you know. <laughs> Carl White did a podcast like a week ago, and he said the stat, 3% of loan officers call their past database. It's like wow. an absurd number. And he surveyed like 1,600 loan officers. Mm-hmm. 3% said they call their past database. I don't know about you, JP, but I got like 5,700 people in there in the yeah. last few years, right? Call that's that's enough to keep you busy, you know, and then everything and inquiry and everything else that's in there, you're talking like a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I forget the line, but activity breeds action or no action, breed, whatever it is. So in these times you have something to do every day. You're not walking into the office with your head cut off. You're like, I'm going to go call five to 10 clients, see what happens. Right. And that's a, that's a nice simple way of easing into the day because you know, when you make the call, something's going to come from it. Right. And if nothing 100%. does one day, at least you feel good going home at night that I did something for the day. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's times I've laid on my couch for a whole day. I got an out a couch right on the other side of this office. I put that there specifically for me. And I've done it. I'm, I'm, you know, I've done it. I'm guilty of it. Yeah. It's but I do that. But then I text a million people. So my phone blows up. So I got a reason to stand that's up. That does make me feel better. So then I will text people and that works too. But either way, so 3% of LOs call their past database is what is what Carl White said, right? Yeah. I, I actually believe it, though, too, to be honest with you. Because yeah. the first thing you hear when, so when you say call your database is, well, what the hell am I going to talk to him about? I just did a mortgage for him. Yeah. Well, well you forget you every single person you do a loan for knows somebody else that's doing a loan oh. or somebody who's about to do a loan or somebody mm-hmm. whose friend's a realtor that's getting in the business or something. Mm-hmm. Something. There's something there. Or like we said, giving a referral to a buddy that owns another business that only helps him or her out. And then they're going to think of you. So whatever. I mean, we could talk about those complex, you know, spider webs all day. Um, I do want to get into um, what your what your stack does look like. Right. So when you do get a new client that does want to get pre-approved, let's say, take us through the process of what you're doing with them until maybe they're under contract. Man, do you want to go through all of it? Well, not all of it, but like what <laughs> systems are you using? I know we already know you're asking questions, getting to know them, right? But what's that look like? You know, what are they using to get? Are you just doing it verbally? Or are you using a, a program? How are you pre-approving them? What are you doing throughout the process? All right. So I'll keep it real simple for you. We use three systems at Northport, three technical systems. And then I've got some ancillary technology. And we can talk about that if you want to do that. But um, Sure. The three basic systems we use are Arrive, HubSpot, okay. and um, let's see, what do we got? Arrive, HubSpot. That's about it, really. What's and then spreadsheets. HubSpot? Again. So HubSpot's like a mid-level market CRM. You can build okay. it out for everything you got. And Arrive actually opened up their APIs this year. And so some folks nice. you can see in the in the forces kind of try to figure that out. But you can get contact data into your HubSpot and you can move each milestone with a video. So okay. each milestone that we do, they get a video from the LO or from the individual. 
And then we just do drip campaigns on those things consistently. But Thursdays, Thursdays and Fridays are super key. Thursdays, you got to call your pre-approvals. Fridays, you got to call your inquiries again before they go out for the weekend. Okay. So if somebody didn't want to apply or somebody didn't move forward, you got to make sure you're calling them right away on Friday. Because you'd be surprised how many people you call Friday about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock that have inquired about a loan, that if you're calling at 3 or 4, their previous LO sent them a pre-approval letter at Thursday morning at 9, you're likely going to get that app and they're likely going to want to talk to you about some pricing mm-hmm. before they mm-hmm. go into the weekend. Um, but from the tech stack perspective, the most important things are notes. I think a lot of us forget to take notes on what we've done. Mm-hmm. I'm still um, bad at that at times when you're doing a lot of apps, but you got to write down, what did you learn about your customer? Who are they? What are they achieving? Those things. You change something, you do something, got to make notes so people know what's going on. And since we've really just driven that home, like that's increased our customer experience 10x across the board. Nice. Does uh, now I'm curious because we use Flowify. That sounds yeah. like it's a little bit like HubSpot because um, it has uh, videos for every milestone and everything as we manually click it over. Where are you taking notes? Is that in the system somewhere? Is that in Arrive? Well, so, yeah. So, Arrive does that. But here's the great thing with this new API connection in Arrive you can basically take all that data and move it into your CRM. And if you want to start getting super like heady on the technology stack side of things, like HubSpot runs our booking system. So, clients that get referred to me book time on my calendar for Zoom calls, nice. which nice. is great. And then it tracks, right? So if I email those clients, it's tracking all my email communications so that we know what's transpired in the past or what they emailed. And then we we can text them and notify them on updates and statuses and things like that. So nice. it's been a really big uh, pump for us. It took us a year to build it out, though. So yeah, it takes some time, right? I mean, right. if you're looking for something that's that's really, eh, it's not set up right away. But like Flowify is decent. But yeah. we had to create video. I had to create a video for each thing, me and my brother Nick, you know, and we customize that out. So it's always a fluid situation. You're always kind of changing it up, but that's cool. Right. That's cool. All right. So, and then old OG spreadsheets, man. OG. Yeah. yeah. You got to do, you know, Excel is an underutilized tool as well. And little yeah. access for the dates you call on times. Like you can't, you can't fight that. Yeah. Our pipeline, anytime a new deal goes out, we use uh, Google Sheets, same as Excel, basically. Yeah. That's what everybody uses. I mean, it's really that simple. It's not too techy. Yeah, I'm same as you, man. You yeah. got to stay in the game a little bit. You can't have it all, do it all for you. No, you know what I mean? no. All right, so now to get back in, I want to get a little bit more detailed here um, because I, I like how you work and how uh, uh, you are with your clients. So if I call you, right, I'm a referral of Jim Smith or whatever, right? And I, hey, I would need to get pre-approved. What's the, like, the first thing that you do? Is it? Is it sending them like a text script, fill this out? Is it having a combo? Is it different every time? You know, I'm trying to get pretty detailed of how people actually deal with a purchase lead the right way. Yeah, it's a good question. So I think there's two facets to that. One, I'm out of the office and two, I'm in the office, right? So if I'm out of the office, I think the key here is, is I'm not going to take the call and I'll tell you why. If I take a pre-approval call and I'm sitting in my car or I'm at a bar having lunch with someone and it's loud in the background, I'm going to lose credibility because I'm going to be trying to sell somebody something while I'm already preoccupied with something mm-hmm. else and they're going to know it. So I'll send them into my voicemail and I'll follow up when I'm back in the office. And I think that's the mistake sometimes we make. Number two, uh, in the office pre-approval call, I set aside 30 to 45 minutes and I'm going to try and take the app over the phone. So you're going to want to learn about I actually don't even talk about mortgage 
lingo specifics really for the first 15 or 20 minutes. I'm really just trying to figure out who they are, where they're coming from, what are their financial goals? Are they focused on price? Are they focused on payment? Are they rate conscious? Are they cost conscious? Mm -hmm. And I just want to learn like what's going to make them tick throughout that process so that everybody else on my team is going to win down the line. And so on that pre-approval call, when they leave, they get an approximate loan cost sheet. They're going to get a pre-approval and then we follow up with them weekly, pretty much Fridays and Mondays. So. Cool. So yeah. it depends in or out of office, right? And yeah. keeping it simple makes total sense. Out of office is, is tough. I've learned in the last 17 or so years that when you take a call at a bar or you're out in your car and you take that information, one, you're not going to remember what they said very well. Number two, by the time you actually get to doing the work that they've requested from you, you're going to suck at it. So mm -hmm. unless you're like a savant, which if you are, man, I'm all in on that. But uh, nah, no, it's a, you know, it's, it's tough when you're out, you're going to forget things. It's actually right. a service to the client. It just make, makes total sense. Right. You got it. It's so. like, a, like we say, it's like a doctor's office sometimes, right? Like come in, have an appointment. Let me take the information. Let me diagnose it. And you can't, a doctor's not diagnosing you from the bar, right? He's, you know, no. he's Jameson's in and, you know, what are you going to do? You know, right. I'm with you. So, yeah, that's, I mean, really. And then for me on the pre-approval side, it's like, where did you get my, where did you get my information from? If a client that is referred to you from your agent isn't asking you how you know that agent or like qualifying the agent to that call, you're likely, that means they haven't built your trust yet. So if I'm really looking for them to ask me like, how do you know my agent or how long have you worked with my agent or so-and-so like that's a buying question. And I'm really focused on finding those kinds of questions and answers. Yeah. Well, it just makes you, you know, form a, that relationship with that client. And you know right. the feeling when you start asking questions and you listen and then they start going in and you realize they haven't done this before. It's like, right. it's right. over, man. They're not going anywhere else. Now I can really give my all to this client. Cause I don't have the feeling like they're leaving me and that's just better for everyone involved. I'm with you, man. I feel you. I'm on the same wavelength. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're like 35 minutes in already, which is crazy, right? This flows. So we got about seven to 10 minutes left. All right. Yeah. So I always try to end this with a couple different questions. Right. And some of these you may have answered already. Right. Um, in a different format, but if you're a new LO or someone that needs to reinvent themselves, like, they have to right now, right? A lot of people have to reinvent themselves after like the refi boom or someone that was came in, like you said, in the refi boom, they got to re really reinvent themselves. What's, hey, one, two, three things that you would tell that person of what they should be doing right now? <sighs> Number one, call financial advisors over real estate agents first. Ooh, like that. You need to find someone that can give you agent deals to refer to agents. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do that, getting that from agents and likely any of these larger retail shops are feeding them. Number mm -hmm. two, align yourself with real estate agents that align with you personally. Mm. You want to go after some big golden goose. You're going to get yourself disappointed and not make the cost to the other 35 agents that you could have called that might like you better than anybody else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's cool. Number three, never stop adding value, have an unquenchable thirst to learn and pump everything you learn out to everybody, you know, man, it's like you were prepared for that one. That might be, Hey, Julie, that might be the best one answer. yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's go through these. So 
I really like this one. Call financial advisors over real estate agents. That's in any market, not just right now. Yeah, I have about three or four great financial advisors and we go pretty deep with the clients. And it's it's how I like to do business. They know some numbers, right? And we all know that someone's going to trust probably a financial advisor more than possibly a real estate agent because they're giving them all their money, a lot of it. And they know what, what it is. So it's a better referral, correct? When you get one from a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know right now it's probably pretty saturated with real estate agents. So I'm, I'm sure that's part of it, right? Um, but I totally agree with that. That's awesome. Um, definitely agree with number two, align yourself with real estate agents that you personally have uh, a connection with, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're going to, you're going to get let down. You go after that big whale, all right? They're getting cold by all over the place. They might be getting some kickbacks. Who knows, right? right. Um, it is better and it's more better for your own mental capacity dealing with people you like to work with because then it's enjoyable. You're going to be talking to those people a lot too. So mm-hmm. killing two birds, one stone right there. I love it. And then say number three again. Provide value constantly. Have an unquenchable okay. thirst to learn. Yep. Yeah, because if you if you stop learning, man, shit gets really boring really fast. <laughs> I think that's well, how we stay, stay going. I mean, I think the three of those are the most important things to me. Number three being most important because niche lending is how you win in down markets. You need to find the segment of your market that's the most underserved, and then you got to go work in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of folks have that miss. They, they spray too far. They go like conventional jumbo, FHA, VA, and they don't know enough about any one of those particular products, mm-hmm. but they just do them. It can be a shoot in the foot. But So what, what niche markets are you looking at, or what's a good uh, couple of them for other people um, out there? Like where to start looking for them? How can they do that a bit better? You said physician loans, right? Yeah. So I, I'll tell you something a little different. So like I've uh, I've made some posts on brokers or two about this as well. If you're a broker owner right now and you're not trying to solidify a relationship with a small local bank to build your own portfolio product or do something like that, you're missing. Uh, okay. So for us, example, like I put a portfolio product together with a bank local in Minnesota here. We do a one-time close construction renovation and uh, physician loan. That's a niche product and that's a niche space. And so I'm going to focus on that big time. Um, The second thing I'm going to focus on is speed and conventional loans. So cash offers, as much as we think they've gone away or they've come back, um, speed is also something that's become super relevant. And um, yeah, I just think if you're learning and you're doing the right things, you're going to have these products that's to do it. Financial advisors, interestingly enough, manage the money. Not just how much they take in, but what the outflows of these customers are. So if mm-hmm. someone has a cash out necessity, if someone needs to go buy a smaller house, mm-hmm. they're going to be your first line of defense. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's great. That's great. Cool. I don't know cool. if I answered the question specifically, a little bit of a rant there, but like all three of those are super important to me. Financial advisors actually tend to be my number one sphere of business and niche product type is going to be construction renovation. Yeah, you know, I think you um, you answer that perfectly because I was thinking more that the niche markets. I'm thinking like, all right, physicians. No, you're talking about, hey, go create your own market by maybe even going to that small local bank, create, you know, working with them and figuring out what people need out there. It's not just finding it like actually 
thinking about what people need and then creating it almost is kind of what you're saying a little bit. Yeah. I don't know where like you're in Philly. Is that where you said you're yeah, in Philly? In Philly. Yeah. Everybody's different. Right. Yeah. There's a million houses already built in Philly. I'm in Minnesota, right? Like right. our, our GDP is like 3 million people total in the state. So yeah. we're building a ton of houses here. I want to get, in, I want to get inside of the construction phase. Most of these houses were built in the fifties in the city. So all of them are getting renovated. So yeah, I'm going to go niche that out. Right. But if you're in other markets, find the specific set that's going to win. Also, builders like track builders never get called on. I think there's another miss here. Uh-huh. Track builders are franchises. I don't know if people know this. Like if you go to a Pulte deal in Florida, that's not owned by corporate. That's some franchisee right runs now. that little division for them. Mm-hmm. They're open to a lending relationship. They're open to all of these things. So go beat down doors that you think are closed. Yeah, people talk a lot of shit on builders, right? But and then maybe they don't do anything to go after them. And you're saying, well, yeah, maybe you should, right? Because well, build, builders just don't know finance. And I think the other it. thing, like, I'll just say this. If, if, if you think of your life and anything you've ever purchased that was expensive, right? Let's take a car, for example. If you walk into a dealership and you buy a car and the financing relationship with that dealer sucks, you're not going to buy a car, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if the financing relationship with the salesman was seamless, you're going to buy the car and you're going to take the loan and you're going to go. Uh-huh. And so I look at the opportunity like as for us as good loan officers right now, take any market where someone's not doing good, give them the value of saying, hey, man, if your financing's in line and your sales are good, we're going to win. If your financing is not in line, then your sales aren't going to be good and you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. You partner with me and we're going to win because I'm going to give you a seamless finance option that's competitive for your customers. Perfect. Yeah, listen to that. So if you if you want to deal with builders, that's what you want to think about. Yeah. All right. Last question. So you hit on this a little bit earlier, but where do you see, we can take it a little deeper. Where do you see the industry? Where do you see the real estate mortgage industry in the next two to three years? Where do you see it going? Well, that's a loaded question, man. Um, I know. know. You answered it kind of earlier. I'm trying to have you go a little bit deeper. I think it's going to be right where we are for a while. I think you're, we're going to get some rate relief probably here in the next 24 months. Um, I'm going to go back to this, though. We don't have enough houses. You know, average average consumer, 186000 in home equity right now. It's the biggest ever in history. Average home price doubled in the last 10 years. It's just going to be interesting to see what kind of plays out with that. So it's going to be a little bit more stagnant. Um, but I'll also leave with this. Get licensed in more states. If you're a single shop, get into some markets. Florida is the fastest appreciating state in the country right now. If you're not licensed in Florida, you're missing out. California, low-hanging fruit, easy license. Just go get some licenses in some other states and make calls. You might be surprised. So, Nice, man. Yo, it was good hanging out with you. I really love uh, love your style. It's something that I can really relate to. Um, you're doing right in the industry. That's the feeling I'm getting. You're doing right by the consumer. And you're always, you're never stopping, always figuring out ways, not, never being stagnant, man. Um, I love it. Of course, if you ever need anything from me, hit me up. I hope I can do the same with you, man. Really collaborate with some more time, you know? Yeah. Thanks, JP. I appreciate it, man. Cool, man. Thanks, bro. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Get healthcare for your team. Submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues. Join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And 
you will have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait and sign up today at brokersarebetter.com.